thank you for coming because it's the beginning of 2020 and uh, all of us love to start again in the new year because it's not easy being a person. Am I right? <laughs> Amen. A lot, a lot of us have a vision of who we mean to be and what we want this life to be and how we want to be in this life for each other and for the world. And uh, yet we stumble, yet we hesitate, yet we fall, yet we err, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, life is always starting over, picking ourselves up, starting again, starting fresh. And I think there's a certain special magic that happens when women get together in a group of women with an intention to uh, really open up fully to the flow of our power, whatever that is. And I believe that power for each one of us is an unobstructed flow of really being yourself. Just really knowing who you are and being who you are steadily in all circumstances. That's power, like how water flows without holding back. So uh, sometimes we have to do, pull out a few boulders and, and uh, clear away the logs and the log jams and open up the flow again, open up the stream of our power and our openness to goodness and uh, magic. So, um, so this afternoon is dedicated to our magic, our life's magic that we're bringing for ourselves and each other and to this year and to whatever is being called out of us, called forth uh, for us this year. So, so today will be, uh, it'll be easy, nothing hard. We do hard stuff all the, all the rest of the time. This is going to be easy, so easy, okay? We're going to uh, do a few very easy, meeting a few new people and thinking out loud about something pleasant. Uh, we're going to, uh, I'm going to give a little talk, a little uh, lecture about my notion around life purpose, which I say is a paradoxical pursuit. It's paradoxical to try and live purposefully on one hand, you're already doing it. This is it. Sorry, you know, <laughs> just enjoy it. Accept, enjoy, do it, be you. On another hand, wait a minute. Wasn't there something I meant to do? Wasn't there something I wanted to be? Wasn't there something I, I really have on my bucket list for before I leave here? Yes. So the, the paradox of living purposefully, and we visit it again at New Year's, is to relax and get going. <laughs> we want to do both. We want to relax and get going. So it's kind of a, uh, a masterful art of fully 100% accepting yourself as you are and loving yourself as you are and also being open to that nudge from that sparkly spirit of yours that's saying, yeah, but what about this? Didn't you mean to do this too? Yeah, come on, yeah, right? So to be open to that, that nudge, that creative impulse, that inspiration. So, so we're going to be uh, talking about that today, that, that paradox, and, and thinking about you know, where do I need to just let go, let go and be me, let go and, and have this, and show up to it every day, because it's good, it's mine. And where do I need to get off the dime? I've been talking about this thing for four years now, and well, please get off the dime and just do something. Take a step. So we're going to uh, visit both ends of that paradox. I, I have a challenge of feeling a lot of the time like I'm bursting 
with uh, wanting to share thoughts and ideas and questions and processes and whatever. I'm just kind of bursting. I kind of need a microphone or I'll feel constipated. You know, it's like, <laughs> Let me tell you what I'm thinking about this. Oh. So thank you for being here. I really appreciate the chance to, you know, I, I promise not to speak on every single last thing I could speak on because I've been thinking about this stuff for a long time. So when I was a little girl, I was about eight and a half when I started on my questions around what is life? And what is the purpose of life? And what, is, what am I here to do? And all that sort of thing. And I, I used to try and get my friends to stop playing hopscotch to come and sit down on the sidewalk and, with chalk and draw pictures of the universe and where's God and you know, stuff like that and talk about this stuff. And they wouldn't do it. So thank you for coming here so we can do this. It's interesting stuff. And um, I remember I, what I want to talk about today is uh, a, few, a few stories I have enjoyed along the way of what happens when you make a wish and you make a wish in such a way that you really send it into the heart of the Creator and the Creator answers your wish with their idea. So I call it make a wish and then you get God's idea, which is not always the same picture you have about things. So um, when I was little, I made a wish when I saw Martin Luther King speaking. I thought, that's it. That is the most important thing ever in the whole world. Love and equality and, and freedom, freedom and, and inspiring people and becoming free and being wise. All of that, that's it, I made a wish. And if, I was eight and a half, so I, I, I wanted to be kind of like Martin Luther King, but you know, that's, there's only one of those. You know. But what happened was the, the universe answered my wish in uh, subsequent decades. It answered my wish by um, giving me many difficult things to walk with, many losses, many traumas, many uh, sad and lonely uh, and mind-baffling things to deal with. And, um, and along the way, teachers, teachers and teachers and teachers. And I found after a while that, well, I seem to be in a classroom. I seem to be in a classroom around freedom. I seem to be in a classroom around joy, you know, and how do you be in that when life is so darn hard? How, how do you live it when it's just so hard? So I found myself in that, that classroom. I didn't know much about what I wanted to be when I grew up, but um, when I grew up to be in my 20s, I thought, you know, I want to be a writer. Absolutely, got to be a writer. Want to be a writer, joined writers groups, wrote stuff, sent off stuff, broke my heart over rejection letters, and went on and on. And finally, someone compassionate in my writers group asked me, you know, well, what do you want to write about? And I realized that I wanted to be a writer, but I had nothing to say. <laughs> I just didn't have anything to say. And then I said, I think I want to write about magic in everyday life. I think that's what I want to write about. And the next thing that happened after that was life got even harder for a couple years. Just harder. But the only way I got through it was by writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. And one day, because I said a prayer and the universe heard, 
I, I got discovered in my writing, but it's only because I had like cried on the keyboard for a, a few months. And those are the pieces that went into the Kitchen Mystic, which talk about, you know, finding the magic even though it's hard in our lives. So I made a wish, the universe answered. And you just don't know how these, these answers are going to come. I made another wish a few years later. I used to say it all the time, very longing. I'd say, you know, I wish someday I could go to Ireland. I could go to Ireland. My grandparents are from there. It's, I know it's the home of my soul. I, I, I really wish I could go to Ireland. I said it, I don't know how many, tens of times. And then one year, I changed the word. And I, I said, I will. And it's a marvelous thing that happens, isn't it? When you change it from I wish to I will. I will. I will go to Ireland. And even though I was chronically broke and I just didn't think I, and I had small children and I just didn't think I could travel, the way opened for me to go finally and, and visit Ireland. But a strange thing happened um, just before I went. And that was, it was a deep cold winter time like this, maybe even colder, way cold, like the killer, 20 below, not even wind chill, really 20 below, killer, cold. And my husband and I were, were sitting in the living room and outside we heard a racket of crows calling and yelling and, and screeching and flapping about. And like, we could, it came right into our house, our quiet house. Like, oh, going, the crows are going crazy out there. What's going on with the crows? And I went out the door that day, and as I went out the door, I saw right by the, uh, the doorway of this lovely pine tree, and in the pine tree was a beautiful, if dead, crow. It, it, was, it was stuck to the branch, because it was so cold, with its little feet, with its head gently on its breast. And it was beautiful. It was this blue-black, shiny, feathered, peacefully sleeping creature on this branch outside my door. And I realized, oh, that's why the crows were going crazy. One of them had just died, and they were all talking about it. But there it was on my, on my tree, on my doorstep. And I tried to uh, gently take it off, and I couldn't move it. It was just frozen solid to the bed. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I left it there. And for a month, because it was cold for a month, as it is, I came and went back and forth, and every day I'd come out and I would nod to the sleeping crow in the, in the pine tree. I'd come back home and I'd the sleeping crow in the pine tree. I thought, this, this is magic. I don't know. Crows are magic. I know this. I don't know how I know this. Does anyone agree with me that crows are magic? Yeah, see? There's something about crows. It's a magic thing. So anyway, um, I left for my first um, trip to to Ireland and um, it was scary. I had never been overseas before and I was traveling by myself or whatever, but I went. And when my uh, third, third, twice removed cousin came to meet me and, and picked me up, um, she was, she was, she's a farmer and a school teacher. She's very practical. She's very busy. And she just, she's not that into like the, all the American cousins coming over all the time wanting to go to the pub and hang out and stuff like that. She's busy. So I got in her car and she said, you're very welcome. You're very, very welcome. Now, if you're not in a hurry and you're not fussy, you're even more welcome. Uh, we won't be going to the pub and we won't be doing this. I'll be asking you to visit some of the old people 
in the neighborhood because we're busy and they need they need a visitor, you know. But you're very very welcome. Anyway, she just kind of laid down her boundaries, and I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So um, we got to the farm, the house, and I stepped out onto the driveway, and there was a whole tree full of crows, and they all started yakking and squeeching and scratching and flying and flapping about, and she stopped. My cousin Mary stopped. She goes, huh? She looks at me. Huh? The crows are making a fuss about you. The old people used to say that if a special visitor came to the farm, that the crows would let the family know. I didn't know it was true. Huh. That was like the last weird thing I ever heard her say. She's very practical. She never said anything weird and magical again. But she did acknowledge that there seemed to be something going on with me and the crows. So I felt kind of special there. Um, so I went onward. Yes, I, I went to Ireland. And you know what happened after I wished to do it? And I went, I went eight times. Oh, it was wow. easy. I went eight times. Wow. I afford it. It was affordable. I, I did work there. I did play there. I just, I, it, the door opened. You know, sometimes we have some notion that we can't do something or it's going to be really an obstacle. And then you just get off, you just get over that first hurdle. And then it's just not a thing. You're doing it, right? Right? So, so uh, that was my next wish into Will that I wanted to talk about. And then, uh, where is it? Okay. Oh. So, in my years of teaching forgiveness, I realized, and because it was many iterations of many workshops and many classes, I'm going like this, because it was like cycle, 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 workshop, class, people, workshop, season, season, I probably taught, I don't know how many hundreds of things in this building alone. And um, I always kept thinking, you know, my work is going to break out and I'm going to be on Oprah, right? Well, 15 people at a time. 15 people at a time. 15 people at a time. Guess what? Free! Free. I was fostering freedom. Who's been at one of the forgiveness workshops here? A few of you. Lots of you. Nice, right? So, so... Uh, I was getting my wish answered. I was growing up learning about wisdom, learning about freedom. I didn't know what form it was going to take, but this is the form it took. But then, you know, I did that for 30 years, and I got tired. Who's done something for 30 years? Did you get tired? Oh, my God. Did you get sick of yourself? Did you just wish you would shut up and do something else? Right? Sometimes we're given our work early on, and it really is our work, you know, it's, it's the thing, You're, it's yours, you, you do it, you know, you have a work like that too, it's years and years, like, cranking out this wonderful work, but then it, sometimes uh, you, you get kind of like, you say, really, is it going to be, is there anything, I don't know, and I'm tired, oh, I'm tired of hearing myself say that, oh, so, I was tired, and I sat down for a couple years, and I, I didn't schedule a lot of workshops, and I just, hung out with my nice husband and I just took what came along and I thought, you know what, I don't know, I'm just at pause. I'm at pause. But then um, I have a friend, Erin, who introduced me, who uh, threw it, she throws out a challenge to me every now and then. That's why I pay all the big bucks so you can like throw down the challenge. Um, every now and then she'll say, well, are you going to really like accept that this is your life purpose to teach forgiveness and make it widely known and really really get it out there 
that it's, it's an important health habit. It's an important life skill. Everyone needs it. Are you gonna like go for it until until your older older years, like you, you once thought you were going to? And I said, oh, I, yeah, I would. I I should. I mean, but I'm tired. I'm tired. Yeah. Okay. So then I realized that I felt like I'd lost my fire. You know, like when you're younger and you have a fire for something and then you do it and, you know, it's good, but some of it wasn't what you thought or whatever, you lost your fire. And so I said a prayer. I said, please help me find my fire again. Please rekindle my fire. So I said that prayer, threw it out there. And a week later I was sitting on the couch minding my own business and um, I had an email come through and it said, um, uh, requesting your teaching in Azerbaijan. Whoa. And I said to Fred, Fred, what is Azerbaijan? <laughs> he goes, oh, gets on his phone. It's a country. I said, well, where is it? He, he said, oh, well, it's right over there under Moscow. It's like, I'm like whoa, that's, that's really far. You know, but no, I look and I read three times, wiped my eyes and they said, no, we want you to come to do a keynote talk and a forgiveness training for this community of people in Baku, Azerbaijan. And what are your conditions? Uh, I know. They actually asked me what my conditions were. I thought, all right, well, that's really far. I'm going to have to charge a lot more money than I usually do. And I'm going to have to go business class, and I never have. And okay, so I just like did my conditions, and they all went, okay, yeah, fine, all right. And I said, okay. So then I got ready to go. Um, two months. I, was, I, I didn't sleep very well for a while. It just, it just I don't know. It's just so far. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was so far. And I'm sensitive. And I don't sleep on planes. And I'm fussy. And I, I don't, I, I smell things in hotels. And you know, like, I don't know. Okay. So, but I decided, all right, I asked. Because you know what Azerbaijan means? Land of the fire. Oh my God. God is very funny. Please help me find my fire for my work again. And then they send me to the land of fire, Azerbaijan. Because there's volcanoes there and lava and gas and oil. And it's just like the whole place is bubbling, you know. And the, uh, the people are, are warm and extroverted and they talk a lot. They're fiery. You know, for those of you who know like the four elements, they're like fire. So anyway, I went to, I went over there and um, it was wonderful. God's idea was a great idea, but it really asked a lot of me. This is the, the whole, you know, be careful what you ask for kind of thing because so you, you might get it. And so that's what happened. I asked for ins renewed inspiration, I asked to have my fire lit again, uh, and I asked to make more money at my work. I got, I got everything in like this package, you know, and, and I went there. So I was happy to notice as I walked around Baku, a very ancient city, that there are crows there. There are crows there, only they have silver hoods. They look just like our crows, but they have silver hoods. And in my workshop, it was so, beautiful because there was well, 200 people at the talk um, in the, the workshop typically I'm doing the 15 people at a time 15 people at a time 15 people at a time so there was 65 people in this work workshop and it was a terrible room and, and and nobody spoke English and I had to have headphones and 
have a translator and some of the stuff didn't come through you know the translation didn't work very well so you know there was kind of moments with that one of them which was this one so what I say in my workshops often and we, we start the afternoon like, okay so so far what's been good about this workshop and there was this dead silence and and the people were looking kind of <laughs> and I said you know just so far what have you enjoyed being here? They looked a little more insulted. And finally, somebody who spoke English too raised her hand. She said, it's just, Ms. Hayes, uh, when you say so far, uh, in our language, it is exactly the words little piglets. <laughs> <laughs> little piglets? What do you like about my workshop? Come now, little piglets, tell me what has been good so far. So, okay, she says, perhaps you should say up until now. I said, yes, okay, up until now, okay. So, so there's moments like that. And the nice thing was like, I, I taught forgiveness, it was translated, they, they got a lot of it, and, um, but mostly the people were like, who were like women are 19 to 30, were, were uh, only, they were, they were hungry for freedom. They were only been Azerbaijan again for 25 years. They were Russia for 80, 80 years before that. And every time I said the word freedom, they looked like, what is that? What is that word? What does that taste? What is, this isn't something we talked about in our land for a long time, but now they're talking about, they're leaning in on it. So at the, at the peak moment when I was going to do the exercise and, and really open up to bring the healing light through for forgiveness, and usually I have uh, maybe three helpers in the room, and they're all praying, and they're all opening up to bringing light and healing energy into this room for these people, and I, hadn't, I didn't have anyone. I had a couple of helpers there that didn't speak English, and they smiled, but you know they didn't know about holding space. You know, like, I need someone to hold space with me while we do this thing. And I'm on two hours of sleep because I couldn't sleep at all. And, and the, the room is hard to work with. It's really Russian. It's kind of like very clean and utilitarian and in rows. And everything was hard in that moment. And I thought, I, I might just fall down right now. I'm so tired. I don't have anyone holding space with me for this healing moment to happen. And then... Just as we settled in, to do that, 50 crows came flapping out of nowhere into the trees all along the edge of the room, making quite the racket and quite visibly there. And I thought, it's the magic. <laughs> the crows are holding space. So I wanted to share those little stories with you because, uh, you know, when a wish turns into uh, a prayer and a willingness for God's will, whatever that is, it can take all sorts of strange and interesting permutations. And um, this is something we think about at New Year's. What am I wishing? What am I willing for? What does it appear, what kind of will does it appear I'm inside of? What is the universe's will this year? And this, this constant dialogue between my will, my wish, and a greater will, a greater wish that I'm inside of is a question we visit often.
So, I pause. A pause for comment or question. Yes? Um, Susan. Did your fire carry on? Did my fire carry on? Was yeah. that the I got rekindled. Yes, because you know why? Oh, I loved those people. And the thing is, I do what I do because I love people. I know a lot of you do what you do because you love people. And to, it's so refreshing when you go to another culture and to see, oh, people, they're the same. You're, you're the same as me. And, and women are, are yearning in the same ways for ourselves. And so uh, it was, it was, it did rekindle. I felt like my heart was like a coal glowing the whole time I was there. And at the end, I had to do like 65 selfies, you know, with the young ladies lining up. And, and they just blasted me with love. Like they'd say, Miss Hayes, Miss Hayes. And they got her friend with the, with the camera. And the young lady would come up to me and she would just pause for a second and look in my eyes and smile. <laughs> and then she'd cuddle in, and then we'd take a picture. That happened 65 times. You know, fire got relit, yes. Love the, love the people. So I'm now open to whatever uh, God's idea might be next. <laughs>